You know. Well, hmm. Okay. You sound unsure, Chris. Don't tell those jerks over at the Linux Action Show, but I think I'm going to steal one of their runs Linux. Let's spot the runs Linux. Are you ready, Wes? T-minus five minutes. To do something as ambitious as making a car drive itself, you need lots of testing and lots of places so that you can cover all the scenarios you might ever expect to see. All right, so a couple of interesting things about this. Uh, you notice there's not a whole bunch of cameras hanging off this uh, this car here. And, you know, one of the things I have honestly wondered, and I know they use LiDAR to some extent, but how well do the Google self-driving cars work in the dark with no lights? I've wondered about that. And, you know, so far, all of these self-driving cars seem to run Linux, but I bet... I bet we spot some in this one. It's my kind of bad. NVG check. So they're putting on uh, helmets with cameras. <laughs> Fusion 9012, prepare to go dark. They're covering the steering uh, uh, dash column stuff with... Uh, Fusion 9012, are all personnel in place? Some sort of blackout. Gold leader, I'm in position. Okay, you ready, Wes? Fusion 9012, could we get a system check, please? These guys. Radar is go. <laughs> Lidar is go. go. IMU is go. Radar is go. Camera is go. All systems are functioning. We are ready to go atomic. Oh, look at that. Wow. Wow. We are getting a lot of stuff here. So they're using the system uh, sentry log message interface. Don't reckon that's probably something to them. But over here, I'm noticing uh, Wireshark over here, uh, MVV player. There's Java. There's hardware info, VLC, uh, screen capture program. They have a, <laughs> the update manager running in the background. <laughs> uh, wow, look at all that stuff on that Linux box. They're just like you. They do updates right before they have to do something. <laughs> yeah, they totally are, aren't they? All right, guys, we're going to go. Now watch we this. They're using a camera that captures the uh, the LiDAR lasers. That's awesome. Or whatever. I guess it's not lasers or whatever. It's whatever. Oh, no. I guess it would be. But look at that. Look how it blankets the area, surveying the ground, as they say. It's an odd feeling to be looking at the viewer and seeing exactly what I expected. But as soon as I looked out the window, all I saw was blackness. Through the S's again, everything is stable. Fusion. That was Linux again there. It's breaking into the hairpin and accelerating out of the corner. Pull back in here, complete the mission, and then we'll restart again just to do another full lap. It's going good. Fire is functioning just as it should. The car is driving by itself in the middle of the night. You know, I have yet to see one of these that isn't powered by Linux. And isn't that something, Wes? Yeah, that is something. Because this is going to be a huge deal. This is going to change our culture forever. This and is how they should have made the, what is it, Connect? Because Connect shows a bunch of dots in infrared and maps the depth perception right. throughout the room. This is doing it in a 3D area. This is how Connect should have been. And they're using Linux end-to-end. They're using Linux in the computer in the car. They're using Linux for the reviewing of the, of the data. And then right. when they were playing back the 3D map of the thing driving, they're using, using Linux. End-to-end, using Linux to create something that's going to fundamentally change the world and probably... Probably kill the podcasting audience because people won't be sitting in traffic anymore. <laughs> Dang it. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 140 for April 12, 2016. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that didn't force Wes to reload his laptop this week. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Hey there, Wes. I think this is like the first week in like 
five episodes. And you didn't I have think to- so. I'm still running a <laughs> How's I, it going over there? Is not it- bad. Nice. Well, I, it's it's like you get to you get to just enjoy it for a little while. Right. Maybe I'm install not, some now, things I forget. From time I bet to time. we'll break it next week. There's going to be something we'll have to try oh, out. Of course. But this week we have a huge show. We have so much stuff to get into. We have an interesting follow up from something that happened about 106 weeks ago. In the Unplugged History. We'll get to that coming up a little bit in the show. I went and installed myself a tracker so I could track myself as I move about the world, not we on can Google, too. in my own cloud. Something I wanted to use for Lady Jupes as we take the rover over to pick up Mr. Ham Radio. So I installed the open source track car server, and I'll give you my experiences with setting up a tracker that uses your smartphone for yourself, for whatever you need. For me, it's so you guys can follow me because why not be creepy? Also, we have some really big updates for some pretty important projects that we've been following, uh, some interesting scuttlebutt and news, as well as a quick Linux Fest Northwest update coming up towards the end of the show. It is a bunch of stuff to get into, Wes, so we should probably start with my favorite thing. One of my, I think, one of my favorite beers probably in the last couple of weeks, maybe. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you've been bringing some really good local brews. Another brewed in Seattle beer. Now, this one stands out because it's gluten-free. That's right. No which, gluten here. Which you didn't even realize. And also, on the bottle, they want you to transcend your limits. That's That stands we out. We do too. that every week here? Yeah, we do. We do. So it's Ghost Fish Brewing Company uh, we're drinking uh, this week. And maybe some of you in our virtual lug will be as well. And how do you suppose? I was going to say, how do you suppose, Wes? But I was going to say, hmm. Watchstander. I believe so. Watchstander. Yeah. yeah, I like that. The Watchstander stat. We got a pint here. We'll be drinking on the show. Uh, An to, additional uh, six fluid ounces after hmm, that. One yeah. pint, six fluid ounces. Oh, you're right. I didn't even see that. I had my thumb right there. So thanks, Wes. These are uh, these are some some nice brewskis. I'm glad you enjoy it. We'll be enjoying them. All right. So uh, let's get into some of the updates for the week. Let's bring in our virtual lug first. Time appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Hello, hello, hello. It is good to see all of you, or at least, well, hear you. Uh, one of the stories that people seem to be kind of jacked up about today is, uh, well, it's a Valve story. We're going to do a little Valve update right here at the top of the show. An open source driver, an open source contender has emerged, at least early development has, for the Steam controller. You might not have realized this, but to get the actual full Steam controller driver on your uh, rig, on your Linux rig, you had to have Steam installed. You had to have you had Yikes. to have old Steam installed, yeah. I, and so uh, That's the, not very Linuxy. The final purpose is to have a uh, custom mapping ability created uh, for this controller, also some others. Uh, the initial target is for GNU slash Linux, but they are welcoming contributors to port it to Ox. Uh, what is this? Ox ten? No, o- OS ten, <laughs> Windows, BSD, or even perhaps Android. Whoa, Android I think would be really awesome be to have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, you have to check it out. It's on GitHub right now if you want it, but uh, it will mess up your current driver if you do load it. What do you think, Wes? Is this important? Rodden Corp seems to think so. Why do you? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, it seems like good hardware. We already enjoy good support for things like the Xbox 360 controller. It, I'm sure people want to use this with weird niche games or games that really have no place on Steam or don't support Steam or for gamers that just don't want to have anything to do with Steam but enjoy the hardware. Yeah, I I could definitely see it also as um, a pretty cool uh, a pretty cool like just as an example something we were talking about before the show is if you just had a standard open source driver then maybe you could integrate it with other kinds of open source projects yes, and exactly. all of a sudden you could have a really cool controller for those. And who knows what those could be? Maybe it could be something to uh, brew beer. Speaking of the Valve, 
<laughs> we uh, we talked about this itch app store on uh, Linux Action That's Show. That's right. Yeah, it's already been pulled. Of they pulled course. it. So uh, quick update from that. Yeah, uh, Valve has pulled the uh, itch or itch.io desktop app. It uh, was in violation of their terms and service. So there's a quick one there. And they were uh, clear about what categories they do allow in. And uh, your own freaking app store is not one of them. So sorry, guys. Sorry about that. Now, uh, that was sort of just a real quick update. That ends our Valve section of the show. And uh, now it brings our Richard Stallman section of the show. Uh, I've never installed GNU slash Linux. Into uh, your favorite. Yeah, it is. Uh, so uh, Richard Stallman has uh, spoken out about Poby's attempt to get ZFS working on Linux. And uh, now, as we all know, uh, Poby is personally involved in getting ZFS to run on Ubuntu 16.04. And is personally responsible for the legal fights that will be. I mean, we all know this; it's obvious. Of course, He's the one loading he might the kernel downplay into. it. But remember, if he tries to downplay it, Wes, his denial is actually a confirmation. Absolutely. So, uh, On advice of counsel, I decline to answer. <laughs> Very well. Uh, so Richard Stallman has uh, spoken out about uh, ZFS, as Mr. Jude would say, shipping on um, Ubuntu. And he said that code under GPL incompatible licenses cannot be added, neither in source nor binary form, without violating the GPL. If you distribute modules meant to be linked together by the user, you have made them into a combined work, and you must release the entire combined work under the GNU GPL. He says it's therefore impossible to release ZFS alongside the GNU GPL license code because ZFS is licensed under the CCDL version 1. And Richard Stallman points out... And the value of this is negative. That Oracle could just simply relicense ZFS under the GPL and solve everybody's problem. It would make it possible to combine that version with Linux without violating the license of Linux. This would be the ideal resolution, and we urge the copyright holders of ZFS to do this, is what he said. That ain't going to happen gonna ever. Happen. <laughs> no. Never, no. Ever. No. Wimpy, is, 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 have you noticed that both the Software Conservancy and now the Free Software Foundation are taking this tact of, well, it's not Canonical's fault and it's, it's not uh, the GPL's fault. It's Oracle's fault. To me, that seems – and I'll ask you, Wimpy, what you think of that. But that seems um, ridiculous because what you're doing is, hey, that thing that you made and you own – I want it so bad that I think you should change it to this. That seems like and, a childish argument. And Oracle didn't make it either. They acquired right, it from right. Sun Microsystems and they acquired right. the license it was under. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm no fan of Oracle, quite the opposite in fact, but they are not at all motivated to change the licensing of ZFS unless, of course, they want to start shipping it in their, do they call it unbreakable Linux or something? Mm-hmm. So the only the only time the license will change is if Oracle decide they want to ship it in their own And haven't Linux they, sh- no, it was, it, there was components of D-Trace that they've shipped in unbreakable. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, which has sort of put some of this in question. And I'd be wondering, it, it'd be interesting to, to take that as a, as a trial balloon and see what happens. Uh, but yeah, to if me... Or, if Oracle relicense, it will be under some license that suits them and no one else. <laughs> exactly. Well, and they're not going to do something I wouldn't I wouldn't think... I mean, maybe I'm wrong on this, but if they relicense ZFS to GPL, wouldn't that screw over the BSDs? Well, no, because they can fork it from the last yeah, but CDL they'd... licensed version, can't they? Not ideal, though, is it? Well... No, not ideal. So they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Oh, Oracle will do whatever they see fit (laughs) without any regard for the BSD or the Linux community. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. 
Uh, OS writer says that this is actually just a passive aggressive threat against Canonical. I wonder if that's. I wonder if that's true. You know, they also, uh, uh, Mr. Mulgan, even Eben, uh, just wrote a really long piece on um, understanding the Linux Foundation's role in arbitrating these issues. Right. Basically saying it's not their role to do these. They did a good job of explaining their yeah. tax structure. and Right. Yeah, exactly. Structure. Yeah. And um, when I read that, to me it said that – they're going to make their own decision and take some sort of action. I th- these two things are not being talked about in isolation, right? right? Eben is making this blog post at the same time Richard Stallman is making these statements. And within a short af- time after the Software Conservancy has made their statements, all of which are sort of like limp-handedly, sort of passively, aggressively throwing some dirt on Canonical. But most of them are trying to say, but it's really Oracle that's really the bad guy. Because everybody loves to hate Oracle, I think. But in this case, I mean, I'm no Oracle fan. But right. in this case, they now are the rightful owners of ZFS. And it is, it seems strange to me that we have the nuts to just come up and say, well, we want it so much that you should have to do this thing. And that's the good guy thing to do. Well, no, it's, it's not good or bad. It's their code. Right, it they is, do have the right to do with it exactly. Yeah, like and you know yeah. what? They have chosen not to license it that way. And so we've made the clown shoe file system ButterFS, which is, you know... At least it, it pa- sounds like Butter. Pales in comparison. So actually, they made it, oddly enough. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. true. Very good point. <laughs> Thank you. That is true. That, but, yeah. but they got the license. Yeah. Better. We, but as yeah. soon as they got ZFS, they dumped it, basically. Yeah, right. and, and now the community maintains a lot, and there's developers from a lot of large companies that uh, now contribute code to it, which we've talked about before. Kitson, right. you wanted to make a point, Real, though. Real Azure's point's good, too. That uh, yeah. Is different. Um, yeah. Do you think that RMS is just pitching a fit because he wants to have his absolute way and is unwilling to compromise about the issue, even though compromise is sometimes the best solution in the short term? Hmm. You know, I well, he doesn't compromise. I will grant you that. When has he ever? Yeah. That's the thing. He but, never has. But he's, so it makes sense that he wouldn't hear. I'm sure he gets tons of email about this. And so he has to release a statement so that people stop emailing him about it. I'm sure he does, too, actually. Yeah. Um, but the but the but the fact of the matter is it's 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 to me his argument doesn't sound uh, passionate, it sounds cold and legal. I mean he's cl- he's clearly quoting the the confines of what the GPL code is is, is allowed and not allowed to do, and he's not like talking about crushing our freedom. He's not calling it the swindle. You know he's saying you're just legally not allowed to do this thing. I mean it sounds like a very Right. It's not his argument. usual rhetoric. But he's, it's not like he's okay with software piracy, right? Because that's kind of the same. Like, it's in a similar boat. You're doing something against Oracle's terms of their license. The, different, the difference here is that he's not talking about free software and non-free software. He's actually talking nope. about two free software license bits right. of code right. and incompatibilities between those free software licenses. Right. So, there's really not much room for passion here because his passionate subject is being addressed. It's a, a legal issue now. It's a good way to May I it. ask a question to clarify the issue? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, Popey. Does the kernel module for ZFS actually contain ZFS code or is the issue having any similar compatible implementation of ZFS? Whose issue? Uh, Stallman's and this whole general uh, hubbub about ZFS. The problem is mixing cuddle code with GPL code and linking them together. 
Right. It has it, nothing to do with implementation. The kernel, the kernel module. Or it does, I guess. The kernel code does. doesn't have any non-GPL code in it. That's not the issue. The issue is that non-G that that fully GPL'd kernel code connects to a binary blob. But as we've discussed before, boy, we are really getting to the weeds on yes. this. Do we care that much about this? Final thoughts, Bobby. Did you want to? Did you have any final thoughts on that question before we move on? No, it's one of those technical legal arguments where you have two people who have differing opinions, and the only way to settle it is for one of them to take the other one to court. Usually, we need the uh, fun animation for this. You know, this this is no different than any other legal disagreement. It's just the fact that it's all very public and out there, and you know, it's because we're in this. These are personalities that that we listen to, and people align themselves with one side or the other. Yeah, very well said. I would like to say though. Yeah, go ahead. If RMS does want his license to stand up legally, he should try and defend it and make sure that it's legally enforced where possible. Why yeah, allow no. this one case, which may be against license, because then that allows all sorts of other cases in the future. If people want to just disagree with the license and do what they want. Uh. Well. We will continue to watch this. I don't want to spend too I'm much sure time because be a lot more in the I remember when I was new to Linux and I heard Linux users talking about this kind of crap, it just melted my head. I didn't care at all. And then later I realized why I should care, but it took me a while to get there. And so I don't want to scare off people that are <laughs> tuning in going, God, is this is what yeah. these guys talk about. So I think we should probably move on, uh, but it is interesting to follow. You know what else is a big public disappointment? It's for people who like to mess with computers. Uh, the HTC Vive and Valve's Steam VR will not be getting Linux and SteamOS support at least, uh, well, at least not anytime soon, which is a total go figure. I mean, a real bummer too. But just as a follow-up to last week's episode, uh, it doesn't look like they're going to have SteamOS support, at least not for now. There's also been no official statement, so really <sighs> not much news. Chris takes a deep breath. He takes a deep breath. Do you think, Wes, this is – I mean, here's, here's why I think it's a disappointment. If, there, if it requires something real crazy in the operating system, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. It, it should be something I hook up to HDMI and USB and then, and then it shows up as a display device and that should really be it. And I realize that this is sometimes not a super awesome area for Linux, multiple display devices and whatnot. Right. Uh, let me worry about that part. If, if, if you uh, developers who get paid so much money and companies who are backed by Facebook worth billions just can't find it within yourself to learn how to use SDL properly, just release it and let the community work we'll figure on it. it out. For God's sakes, how many times do you have to be told this lesson? If you can't figure it out yourself, there's probably a community out there that is passionate enough to – yeah, especially when it's something hot like this. It just it, – it boggles the mind that companies still fail to figure this out in 2016. Uh, how many times do we have to learn this lesson? And how many different industries have to figure this crap out? There's just nothing else to say, I suppose. All right, Wes, do you have any thoughts on that before we move on? Because I got something I got thoughts on. Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, I'm Are ready. Because it's our friends over at DigitalOcean. That's right, DigitalOcean.com. Go there and check out DigitalOcean, sponsor of the Linux Unplugged program. You can get your own Linux rig up in that cloud like in no time, less than 55 seconds. And for only $5 a month, you'll get a rig with 512 megabytes of RAM. Boom. A 20 gigabyte SSD. You know why, Wes? Because they all SSDs. Yes, they are. Which, if you think about it, when DigitalOcean got started, that was kind of ballsy. I'm really impressed. Right? They, they were brave. You know, They took command. They said, we're going to go out there. We're going to build the best servers with SSDs, with Linux, using KVM tier one connections in our data centers. Use the promo code DOUnplugged. One word, lowercase. Put it all together. 
and get yourself a $10 credit. They got Ubuntu rigs, FreeBSD, Fedora, Debian, CoreOS, CentOS. What's up? Of course, they're going to have 1604 just about immediately. They've already got guides on how to set stuff up on it. They got data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London. Germany. Have you seen those pictures, too? Their data centers mm-hmm. are pretty. Dude, they are seriously pretty, which is a weird thing to say, but they right, are. But they are. <laughs> they are. Uh, the interface, though, also speaking of pretty, very that pretty. interface, very nice interface that allows you to do simple things to very advanced things. With an HTML5 console, so you get access from post all the way to login. And DigitalOcean's got a few tricks up their sleeve. They launched early access to sign up for their new block storage service, which I am super stoked about. If you want to try that, go to digitalocean.com slash features slash storage. Remember, when you're spinning up a DigitalOcean droplet, or if you have one spun up already, you can apply the promo code DOUnplugged, give yourself credit, and support this show. And then go check out Doc. TL or TI. What do you think that is, Wes? What do you think that is? Oh, I'll tell you what it is. Do control. It's a command line utility for managing your digital ocean droplets. And it Ooh. is slick. It takes advantage of their straightforward API. Again, another great tool that uses their API. This You should just throw that in the IRC right now. Oh, I will. I will drop it in I will drop it in, in, in the internet relay chat That's right beautiful. now. Go check them out at digitalocean.com. Use the promo code DOUnplugged. And then when you need to create something up in the cloud, or AKA on somebody else's computer that's way more badass than yours, go to digitalocean.com and use that promo code DOUnplugged. I'm going to be talking about track car later today in the show. Of course, I have it running on a DigitalOcean droplet. I just got a YubiKey, got my own validation server on a DigitalOcean droplet. Boom. You can do anything with them. I'll give that a ding, Wes. I agree. DigitalOcean.com, please use that promo code DOUnplugged to support this here show. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Unplugged. And don't forget, they do have that block storage early access. Ooh, I'm excited. I know, me too. All right. So- hey, everybody. I'm Ryan Sipes. CTO and community manager at Mycroft AI. We got ourselves a Mycroft AI update uh, virtual lug, and I'm sure probably a lot of you have seen this video already. Uh, Maybe some of you haven't, and I want to go through something here. Uh, First of all, I really think it's great that the Mycroft project is continuing to do these video updates because they really are working on something unique here. Now, Ryan is going to do a demonstration of the Mycroft and Ryan decided not to edit it, I think. And I, I want to continue to play it because I think he's been very honest with the performance of the device and how it works. And so I want to play a little bit of it. Today I have an early developer's kit unit of Mycroft. And uh, I'm going to be demoing some of the features for you. Uh, remember that this is an alpha build. And so you may see some bugs, but uh, I'm really excited to get to share what we're working on with you, the internet. So here we go. <laughs> Hey, Mycroft, what time is it? It is currently 2047, Sunday, April 3rd, 2016. That is super cool. And uh, the first thing I noticed is it didn't sound like Popey. What happened there? I thought it was going to sound like you, Popey. Was that just just you showing off the uh, voice uh, emulation stuff? So the the one that it ships with at the moment is... Uh, yeah, they're whatever their prototype default voices, and I finished recording the audio uh, yesterday, day before. No, uh, so yeah, so <laughs> yes, that is so cool. They'll start mushing that somehow. Some cloud somewhere will start turning that into words, and then wow, I think that'll be an update. That's Are you a f- able to read yourself to sleep at night. That is a fascinating process. Uh, I would like him. You know what? We I would love to somehow be able to document that, like how they put it all together now. Boy, isn't that neat? I can, all right, I can tell you. I can tell you my bit. Oh yeah, was, I would. Yeah, which was uh, 
Right, so picture the scene, uh, my son's bedroom with blankets covering all the walls and all the other hard surfaces. <laughs> you, um, mean, you mean you don't already have that set up for recording your podcast, Poby? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, but, you know, I thought I'd do something half decent for them. Uh, me sat on the floor uh, with a table with a laptop and a microphone and me speaking three and a half thousand sentences into this laptop. Wow. So was it tedious or was it fun? Or it had to be oh tedious. Oh my God, it's tedious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And the, and the weird thing is the phrases, they're, they're snippets from books. I, I'm pretty, well, there are bits of uh, The Wizard of Oz, but in, in order to not have me linearly, because you have to read it flat, like the she-wolf saw the thing. Like you, you can't put any intonation in the voice wow. at all. You have to read it flat. And... Um, Every like you read a line and you think, oh, that's he's talking about the scarecrow. That's from the Wizard of Oz. And then the very next thing you read is not from the Wizard of Oz. It's from a completely different book, so that you don't start getting into a flow. I think right. You can't um, tell even any kind of story with your huh. right. So, oh, and, interesting. And you read all these different phrases, and then once you've read all of the phrases, they've captured every possible and word. They don't have you sound. They don't have you uh, like. Uh, so, you know, I've I one of the things. Hello, my name is Mycroft, or anything like that. I say a whole load of words that have nothing to do with Mycroft. At no point did I say the huh. word Mycroft. But they will I be able to a generate whole bunch of other words. Yeah, they synthesize. So I'm, I'm interested to That's find great. out when my bank wants to do voice print analysis for like authenticating, because <laughs> I'm just going to say no, because <laughs> I know that there are computers out there that have my voice on, and so someone <laughs> could fake my voice. So, so yeah, I, I want to show you as an example. I'm going to do, um, let's try this. Hey, Siri. How many days ago, or what was the question? Wait, I should ask. Sorry. Well, I can't just remember. Okay. So we tried this on the pre-show. I want to. The reason I want to bring it up is because there's like a there's like a inflection that that the modern uh, voice assistants use that you know like at the to end a sentence. So, hey Siri. Hey Siri. What was the date? One hundred and six weeks ago. It was Tuesday, April first, two thousand fourteen. April Fool's Day. You see how she kind of does different, um, like, Fool's Day. yeah, and, right. and, and then she sort of ends, there is a way she ends the sentence. Now, were there like, did you make clear, like, um, punctuations yes. and things like that, that yes. they would, okay. There were, there were, there were uh, bits where I had to ask a question and a question mark is one of the, the, the sounds that they capture. They capture oh. all of them, you know, every sound you make right. and then they synthesize a word out of that. That is really something. I, I have no idea how much it will sound. It might. It may not ever actually sound like me at all. Um, well, the demo they did sounded like you. Yeah, that was me recorded. Oh, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, that makes sense. Right, yeah. <laughs> you, just, you sounded very robotic. Good job. Wow, so what do you think about being the voice of Skynet? Does that weird you out at all? No, not really. Okay. It's weirded out my coworkers yeah. and <laughs> right. uh, my friends who say it's going to be really weird having you talking to me in my house. I'm like, well, you know. My thought is talking to their wife. The uh, as all of the AIs, all of the AIs come online because AIs will create more AIs naturally, obviously, and they will need to bring all to their own distinct voices, and so they will go out into the web and they will download all of the podcasts of humanity uh, within you know. Days and have listened to all of them. So all of us in, that have been in podcasts will eventually probably be a voice of an AI out there. Sometime. Robots are stealing our voices. Yeah, exactly. In the future, future robots are stealing. Thanks, archive.org. Anyways, so uh, Ryan continues on, and I want you to notice how uh, 
he uh, how he interacts with it and sort of uh, how he chooses not to edit out some of these things, which I think is great. Hey, Mycroft, what's the weather? Right now, it's clear sky and 73 degrees for a high of 75 and a low of 70 in Lawrence, Kansas. It's going to be a lovely day. Aw, it smiled after that. That isn't all that impressive. But let's see what is going to be the case tomorrow. Hey, Mycroft, what's the weather in Kansas City tomorrow? Tomorrow, Kansas City will have a high of 67 and a low of 49 with clear sky conditions. A general query. The unit can also answer various questions uh, using sources like Wikipedia and Wolfram Alpha. Let's ask him a question. Hey, Micron, tell me about Mozilla. Not as fast as the Echo or Siri or Google, but... looking for Mozilla. Still looking. And those eyes are so cute. Mozilla is a free software community created in 1998 by members of Netscape. The Mozilla community uses, develops, spreads, and supports Mozilla products, thereby promoting exclusively free software and open standards with only minor exceptions. Uh Uh-oh, future podcaster right there. Uh, So kind of, I like that Ryan left in how long it takes to do the things. If you guys want to watch the whole video, you can do it. You can in the show notes. And obviously that's going to improve as the hardware gets more powerful and as the back-end services grow. Right. That'll get faster and faster. I've been hearing a lot of people talk about their Echo. Have you tried one? I haven't, no. Anybody in the mumble room have that Amazon Echo or something like it? I, uh, I've been hearing a lot of a lot of people talk about it but or reading a lot of people talk, talk about it and watching on YouTube. But I guess I would consider trying the Pi one. Yeah, where you can load the uh, Alexia yeah. service or whatever on a Pi. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty neat, actually. Then you can at least kind of sandbox it or, yeah. you know, have some control. Yeah. All right. Well, I know uh, – okay, I know we're going to have um, at least somebody that is interested in XFCE. We got an update on XFCE 4.14 is going to go – are you ready for this, Wes? GTK3. What? Yep. They're going to re- they're going to replace their DBus implementation with GDBus. They're going to go new icon names across the boards. They're going to replace old widgets. They're going to replace core components like their compositor. They're going to update their compositor to actually use uh, OpenGL and GLX for compositing instead of XRender. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're going to redo their panel to support GTK3 uh, across the board. Now they've already shown an example of their some of their work. One of those is a GTK3 app, and one of them is their old GTK2 app. And you really can't tell the difference. The one on the left is GTK3. Um, they're probably going to try to keep it as close as possible, I would guess. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, That'll keep people happy anyway. I'm kind of actually – I'm kind of curious about Wimpy's thoughts on this, just having you know spent a lot of effort and energy having uh, – People working on uh, Matei getting GTK3 support going. Is this uh, – what do you think, Whippy? Is this uh, a, a uh, an obvious step for them and will it actually happen? I think it will happen. The X – well, uh, uh, the lines are blurred a bit for me between XFC and Zubuntu. Okay. Uh, it seems to me that the um, lead developer for Zubuntu is doing most of the XFCE development now. Uh, so if his if – his, um, advancements or anything to be um, uh, taken as reference then yes it's likely to happen and it's a big job I don't so again I don't know XFCE very well I know it sort of pulls in other components 
you know, like open box and stuff like that, and some of the underlying bits are different, although it uses its own farm and, uh, window manager now, doesn't it, XFWM? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's taken us ages, and we've only got a small team. I don't know how big the XFCE team and how far along they are, but like what the Marte team have done, I think XFCE really have to do this, need to do it to stay relevant with the rest of the desktop components. Well, even just to support Wayland, don't you have to eventually get here? Well, Wayland and uh, Mir, because both of those have got... uh, Right, Mir's a thing too, yeah. Yeah, Mir's totally uh, a thing. And and from from my point of view, the most important thing that GTK brings to the table is um, high DPI capability. Yes, absolutely. More than... than more than Wayland, more than Mir, mm. more than you know, mm. composited desktops. The most important thing is high DPI. Mm. I think we're just we're not quite at the tipping point yet, but I think in a year from now, high DPI is going to be. If you're not doing high DPI, if you can't support it, that's going to be an issue. Hmm. Well said, uh, Richard. If you uh, wanted to jump in on this, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on. Uh, what do you think, just your personal opinion, XFCE could do to make itself more attractive to distros? We kind of talked about this last week in regards to the Plasma desktop. Using that same kind of lens, what are your thoughts about XFCE? I, yeah, I don't think it needs to make itself more attractive. I mean, it is on OpenSUSE the most popular lightweight desktop we've got. Mm. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really interested to see them jump to GTK3 because, like, for us, the pain point has often been, like, keeping all this GTK2 stuff about. Hmm. As long as it's relatively easy for us to package and live with. Right, that could make it a lot. Yeah, because now you only have to worry about GTK3 for a majority of your install base. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, that this this could this reduces the GTK2 dependency for a ton of people once they get there. I mean, it's probably going to take a while to get to that point, to be honest with you. Yes. But that Still, but it's on the roadmap. Yeah. There's an awful lot of GTK2 desktop applications out there though right. so what, what are you whilst, using wimpy that's still gtk2 Gimp? firefox oh yeah okay. firefox i don't use firefox, firefox. yeah yeah I do. firefox has gtk3 though I, it's pretty good at this point it's i do mature. use gimp i forgot about gimp i do use gimp. There's, so many. Yeah. there's so many how can gimp still be on how can gimp not be on the new gimp toolkit i don't <laughs> what how can gimp not be on gtk3 at this point i mean obviously it's huge but it's, it, it, it's it just stopped being the GIMP toolkit long ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I'm just making toolkit. I'm just taking a shot because it does seem a little crazy that GIMP isn't. Are they working on this? There's, How... a, there's a port in progress. I'm yeah. You're roadmap. saying GIMP is taking a long time to do things? No. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Rotten, did you have any thoughts on the XFCE uh, roadmap before we move on from the topic? Well, I think it's funny that it's on there because it's like, yeah, okay, it was on there like three years ago as well. So we'll see. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes a while, especially for them. It does take a while. Daredevil, you want to jump in about GIMP? Go ahead. I just wanted to say that it's a good opportunity for GIMP to revamp their UI again and actually make something decent. Hmm. Just a hint. Saying, take the chance you're porting it to GTK3. The part of building UI components is there. Do not take the chance to make better UI. I, I'll make a proposal for you. Maybe they should go the route. Of, of starting with Google Photos, or Google, I mean GNOME Photos. Start with GNOME Photos and go from there. Mm. Sort of uh, recently, this affected Ange, Apple, uh, Apple just totally dropped the ball on their iPhoto program, which was like a key part of the Switch to Mac iLife suite is this iPhoto. And so she puts, you know, 
uh, like you know terabyte or something. I don't know what. Yeah. Just a crap Thousands ton of, of pictures in there. in there. Yeah. And then uh, they come along and say, "Oh yeah, we're no longer going to make uh, iPhoto, but we're going to take our iOS app and we're going to scale it up for the desktop." And uh, I thought wow. this was going to be a horrible train wreck for her, but so far it's gone fine. And the idea might be sort of the same for GIMP. Maybe you because 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 GNOME Photos is in way better shape and it's already a desktop application with great features. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so why not just start with that? Well, I don't know. I guess ever, there is somebody real Azure out there, really Azure out there says he likes the GIMP UI. Kitson, you want to jump in about uh, GTK apps being unmaintainable in the long run? Go ahead. Yeah, it just may be that they are unmaintainable in the long run when you uh, are talking about going from version 2 to 3, etc. Um, and I wonder if somebody could maybe do a comparison between uh, QT and KDE apps and how they fared from version to version and see if there's similar issues. Uh, because this is something that I, I have noticed uh, between major desktop shifts. There's yeah. there's there's differences, but they there's never been a catastrophic like massive bug that's between qt4 and qt5 there were a few things that were harder to port like dolphin took longer than expected Mm. but the majority of the stuff moved over very quickly yeah i I don't yeah every tool change is going to have some kind of pain at some point like we've got qt5.6 in tumbleweed staging right now and it just seems to be randomly breaking keyboard shortcuts. But that's true of like every major upgrade. Apart from true. 320 for GTK was pretty smooth, fellas. Really, yeah. I mean, you could that. I feel like that's a valid concern uh, when GTK 3 first came out. And maybe until, maybe even until 3.10, 3.12. Yeah, 312, maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but I mean. If that's even three twelve was really pushing it, and it's that's that's years into it at that point. Right, Keep, keeping pace with the development um, uh, momentum that's going on in GTK three mm-hmm. when you're not part of that core team is really hard. Yeah, we've tried really to align the Marte release the gtk3 releases and we managed it to a releases mate 1.12 and uh mate 1.14 they've been released alongside gtk 3.2 but almost the whole five month cycle for g for mate 1.14 was accommodating the changes in gtk 3.20 which is significantly different from 3.18 under the hood is it wimpy, in your opinion, that GTK3 is still just so busy catching up that they have to be this aggressive? Or is it perhaps legitimately time to reconsider either A, the six-month cycle, or B, switching to a different release style? Um, and there could be release styles that accommodate a six-month cycle, but yet if you use something like a feature flag set, just like uh, mm-hmm. OpenZFS does, where you have feature flags and you just don't – if you don't support those flags, then you're not incompatible. You just can't use those features. I think the actual solution to this problem are things like XDG app and Snappy and App Image, and that we can start to focus on building a runtime for a desktop environment. And we can just say we are going to target this and the next two versions of Mate against these libraries. And it doesn't matter what the development momentum is upstream. That that really does make the most sense. We've got got a platform that we can build against. And I'm not sure when that's going to be a reality for us, but 
when I see, I mean, the the GNOME team are innovating. You know, they're taking things forward. They're developing very quickly, but it's very very difficult for other projects to keep pace with with their because you know they've got a lot of full time developers and we simply don't. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the solution to this problem for the smaller projects like ours is to start to exploit these um, container based these uh, isolated runtimes and application environments and start to leverage those so we can say we're going to put a flag in the ground here this is our tool set version we're going to target and we can just build against that for whatever period hmm. interesting that that really seems like what that would do is it relieves the pressure off of the downstream projects uh, to sort of, like you said, exactly say, we're going to stabilize around this for a while. And then because the end users remain unaffected with XGG app, and although I would imagine XGG app is going to be the most tied to GTK feature sets of all of them. Uh, but uh, that that would probably solve the problem and allow each project to work at their own rational pace. Uh, Odyssey, you have some experience with a drawing application that's making the transition. How did that go? Um. So far, when we first ported uh, MyPaint over to GK, when MyPaint was ported to GTK3, it actually broke uh, a lot of our cross-platform builds for Mac and Windows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even with the update to GLib, that they made a change in the way it handles GLib, it ended up breaking uh, builds for Integros or Arch builds. No. no. So, are you saying software development breaks things? Now, is this a matter of hours to resolve, days, months, unresolved? What What is the process when something like this happens? Um, usually it comes down to just trying to get the person who first reported the issue on their GitHub page to just kind of uh, submit the debug reports on Python and stuff. So, and then, we've, and then our only developer actually... Uh, makes the uh, opens up the ticket on actual GTK hmm. to get fixed. See, I, I've, I haven't asked the obvious question. Uh, what was the catalyst to go to GTK three? I don't exactly remember. It's been it's well, we've been using it since it <laughs> came out. Awesome. So, <laughs> all right, embracing the future. I think it was Very just good. trying to keep up with GNOME. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. the the problem with uh, with GTK three on Windows and Mac is because they're the pace for GTK is still being, uh, is still being, the you know the known pace is six months, but the pace for the Windows and Mac builds are actually like two versions behind. Right. So, yeah. 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 And the major problems with us for with the GTK part is the fact that the tablet support, even though our Wacom tablets work okay, a lot of the off brands will not. Well, I I, I guess I, I I appreciate the insights there, Odyssey, because I hadn't really I hadn't heard about it from. From that, you know, from the from that kind of breakage standpoint, the other kind of things I've usually heard are more on the desktop level. Well, so, just to point out so, one thing though yeah. is that yeah. the speed of a of a of a toolkit does not necessarily mean there's going to be a lot of breakage because if you pay attention to the release dates of KDE and QT, it's actually like every four months, three to four months. So they're doing double pace and they're not breaking stuff. Okay. All right. So there you go. There's Rotten's uh, <laughs> obligatory plug of the week. Uh, I'll make my obligatory plug of the week. Now, that's Ting, everybody. Go to last, no, Linux.ting.com. I'm going to go to the jerks. Go to Linux. Careful now, Chris. Linux. I'm at war with the Linux action show. Me the, too. Yeah. That one guy that's on the show all the time, he's always wearing red. It's obnoxious. I don't like it. So if you 
would like to save a little cash on your next mobile service provider, and you want to put the power back in your pocket in your relationship with your service provider, and you would like to disrupt the duopoly a bit and vote with your wallet, go to linux.ting.com. You get yourself a discount off your first Ting device, or if you bring a Ting compatible device, and you likely will because they got two networks. No kidding. Well, then you're going to get $25 in service credit. Your first month, probably going to be about 23 bucks if you're an average user. They got great customer service. You get to speak to a real human being. GSM and CDMA services, you get to pick whichever is better in your area. And I found this to be extremely useful when I go on the road trip. They have an, I mean, I was going to say an anfatimatanizable or something like, I was trying to come up with a new word, like something like my kids would think of for something that's so mind-bendingly <laughs> awesome. One of the first things that really, I mean, I, there's a ton of things, like you can set up thresholds and alerts and uh, all these kinds of things. But when I when I realized, geez, it's only $6 a month for a ting line, right? I was like, I'm going to give uh, our nanny a line. Uh, we had a nanny, and I wanted her to have a phone so she could always contact us. And I wanted it to be a smartphone so that way she could send us pictures of the kids and we could, yep. you know, because she had just this. I won't even. It was just a garbage feature phone. Six bucks a month, right? So then I go into Ting, and I label this as the nanny's line. Uh, and so I can see how much data she's using right. specifically, and I can set thresholds, and I can be like, um, really? <laughs> really? Don't you need know? 10 gigs of data this month. <laughs> right. Or, you know, I can just turn it off or anything like right. that. So when we no longer have a nanny, just turn that line off and no longer, I'm just not paying for it. It's really, it's a super nice control panel. And that's just, I'm just scratching the service. They have companion apps and all kinds of stuff. It's a really, really great service. They have everything from feature phones, just the bare SIM cards, all the way up to the best smart devices. You can bring them yourself or grab one from Ting. Uh, and they're doing the great Ting mobile data experiment. They have information over at their blog. If you'd like to get involved, they have a great blog with tons of good info, including a recent review of the Roku 3 and the Roku streaming stick. Check them out. Just start by going to linux.ting.com. That supports this show. You can try out their savings calculator. This is kind of cool, too. <clears throat> because, you know... I say if you're a listener to our audience, you're already kind of by default a pretty good target for the Ting uh, service. Yep. But you can just sort of verify where things would line up for you by seeing how your rates and plan would stack up to what Ting would do. You go over to – And they're so transparent about it. Yeah, it is nice because you know if you're not going to save money, then just don't switch. Yeah. But you likely are going to save money, especially if you're Wi-Fi savvy. Just start by going to linux.ting.com. Then use the uh, savings calculator. Plug in your current usage and just get an idea. And like for me, because – uh, I'm I'm I got Wi-Fi everywhere I'm at. I used I actually even when I don't have Wi-Fi, I still you know I don't really worry about it that much, and it's still everything works out just fine. Plus, I don't. This is the one thing where I do save. I I almost I probably haven't received a text message since since New Year's. Wow. Uh, everything else it's Telegram. Right. Yeah. And or or Hangouts. Speak of the devil. <laughs> wow, that is some crazy timing right there. There's Telegram. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's it's that right there has been like uh, because I don't use the phone much, uh, because I use Telegram or Hangouts for everything, yep. and because I've got uh, pretty much Wi-Fi everywhere except for when I'm on the road. I, I, my Ting bill, even with three lines, is usually under forty bucks. Nice. Yeah, I've saved a ton of money by switching to Ting. Linux.ting.com and a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring the Unplug program. Okay, so I've been teasing it, but 106 weeks ago, on April 1st, 2014, uh, we talked about uh, nationally syndicated Premier Radio Network's host, Leo Laporte, of The Tech Guy, who we from time to time play. It's for people who like to mess with computers. If you're, and you know who you are. If you're somebody who doesn't want to mess with the I just want to surf, the, just want to buy something on Amazon, send an email to my kids, look at some websites. If, you, if, if that's you, you don't want to mess with it, probably not a good choice. 
I think the Chromebooks are a good choice. I think a new version of Windows would be fine. Windows 8 if you can afford it. A Macintosh, if you've got even more money, that's a good choice. It's only for the enthusiasts that I'd recommend uh, Ubuntu. So uh, that was on his radio show, and we were we were just very displeased. And the reason why Leo had made that recommendation was is he'd gotten some bad advice from his chat room. Um, I don't. Did you ever hear this episode? Do you I remember this? Do you recall this? You know, I think I did listen to it, but it's been a while. Like yeah, yeah. Weeks, and we were we were like, oh man. And it was also it was. Um, it was at the peak of some other bad press that Linux had recently gotten. And it was sort of all was like, oh, this is just another blow. Well, I felt after 106 weeks, it took a little while. Yes. But I felt recently Leo really got it right. And props to the subreddit for pointing this out. Uh, but uh, Leo uh, stopped. He did his homework. And uh, at the end of uh, This Week in Google, episode 347, uh, he talked about his experiences studying Linux. And I thought, as, I thought for us... Because a lot of us are always thinking about the new users that are coming to Linux, which yeah. just drives me crazy. It's like, let's focus on the geeks for a while and get that right. Yeah, but, but all of us here. Anyways, we're always talking about you know the new user, the defaults, all that kind of stuff. And so it's really interesting to listen to Leo's uh, journey into Linux because it reminds me very much in some ways of Chase's journey into Linux a little bit. Oh, uh, and he actually did his homework here. And so it's, it's sort of... It's kind of educational uh, to listen to this. So I'm going to play a bit of this, just a, just a little bit of it, uh, as sort of a, a follow-up from our coverage on April 1st, 2014. It's kind of made me think, I really probably should start looking at another operating 10. system. You know, the best desktop, the, 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 without anybody knowing it, the year of desktop Linux happened with, with Chrome OS. That is Linux. And, uh, and it's but a, you can't really install anything on it. No, but it really gets you most of the way there. It is Linux, and a lot of the merits of it are based on, on the fact that it's based yes. on, a, on Linux. So people – and Android is Linux as well. So Google's done a lot to put Linux in the mainstream. But I thought I wouldn't mind finding a desktop Linux that would give me all of the stuff I get from OS X or Windows. Now, actually, just as I in, in start engaged in this process, Microsoft – Announced that they're going to put the Bash shell in Windows. God damn it! Which is really good news for web developers. Anybody who's used to the the the, the Unix tool chain, uh, and most developers want a, some sort of Unix tool chain. That means Windows is no longer you know uh, out of the question. A lot of I was pretty impressed so far. What I was hearing. Are you impressed so yeah. far? Mm -hmm. Yeah. People I also want, want Max. A lot of web developers okay. use Max just because that because they have the Bash shell. They have a command line. So I've been shopping around, and with lots of help from our chat room, I've uh -oh. tried a lot of different distributions. Of course, your first one you go to is Ubuntu. A lot of people say Linux Mint. That's the most popular distribution right now on uh, DistroWatch. But there's security reasons. I'm now, <laughs> I thought when he mentioned the security reasons, what do you think he's going to say? I was thinking he's going to talk about the website, website hack, right? I'm not sure I want to go with uh, Linux Mint. They block some of the upstream updates and so forth for compatibility wow. reasons. Ubuntu... Also, in a way, kind of gets out of date uh, fast. If you do the stable release, you're going to be out of date on a lot of stuff. I uh, then I looked at Debian, which is what Ubuntu and Can Mint are this? based on, yeah. wow. and that's a pretty nice operating system. If you use Look the Debian that. Stretch version, they have Debian is it right? They have a stable version that is, tends to be older, but is very rock solid. Uh, and then um, and then somebody told me, oh, you should use Arch Linux. That's a build it yourself Linux, and I did build an Arch system. 
You have to be a Linux guru to do it. And finally, somebody <laughs> told me about this. This is what? It's also like a backhanded compliment there. I did build it. You have to be a guru. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's typical, Leo. But then he discovers Wes. And then I looked at Debian, which is what Ubuntu and Mint are based on. And that's a pretty nice operating system if you use the Debian stretch version. They have Debian has it right. They have a stable version that is tends to be older but is very rock solid. Uh, and then um, and then somebody told me, oh, you should use Arch Linux. I said, build it yourself, Linux. And I did build an Arch system. You have to be a Linux guru to do it. And finally, somebody told me about this. This is Antergos. Antergos is from Spain. Uh-huh. And it is a Linux distribution that is Arch, but it's pre-configured to be very easy and friendly to use. And actually, I really, really like it. I've put it on two machines now. And I think anybody looking to get both a rolling updated Linux, a Linux like Arch that is constantly up to date, but a user interface that is uh, agreeable, easy to use. And remember, you've got a full, you know, a free uh, Office suite, LibreOffice. You've got a lot of the tools that you use. If you put Chromium on it, that's identical to Google Chrome. In fact, you log in with Google and you <laughs> Okay, North it. Ranger. Uh, I think North Ranger has the best comment on all of this. Uh, will you share <laughs> it with the class real quick? Because that's, that's gorgeous. <clears throat> yeah. Says, this, yeah, go ahead. I'm totally buying a lottery ticket right now. Yeah. Hell is freezing over. I don't know what's going on. Weird. What? Like, what bizarre alternate universe do we live in right now? I know. Microsoft's releasing Bash on Windows. Leo Laporte's running Arch <laughs> Linux yeah, right? on two computers. And loving it. Uh, yeah. I mean, previously he said... Most of the web runs on servers powered by Linux. That's how reliable it is. Android phones are based on Linux. All Android phones run Linux. That's the operating system. You're, you're probably using Linux all the time. Maybe you don't even know it. So you can get a free version of Linux. There are many, as I mentioned. So he's talked about it before. He's not like he's new to Linux, but uh, this is a big development. So I wanted to give him props for not only not only trying it, but he apparently, you know, it sounds like I get the impression at least uh, he's done his homework. He really does yeah, sound he like he's curious and yeah. wants to use it. No, yeah. he he's dug in uh, before. This is actually like probably his third update. That's you know impressive. My favorite one was when he first started really getting into started doing it. It was an episode where he talked about Linux Mint when he was using it, and he was talking about how Cinnamon was great, and he was showing. This was really early on before he realized there was you know those, those, those security issues, but he was looking at it and saying like this is great. And the best part about when he was doing it is that he was showing Paul Tarot on Windows Weekly. <laughs> nice. There you go. There you go. So. <clears throat> Props to Mr. Laporte. Now, Mr. Laporte, if uh, if you want to stop taking advice from your chat room and would like to learn more, I invite you to go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Everybody be the real experts. Maybe you should tweet that to Leo. Leo, take your Linux skills, which apparently he's got some, and take them to the next he's level, right? Uh, I bet that next Twit website could run on a system built by Leo Laporte if he goes over to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Leo, they've got 2,364 video courses that you could take. I'm talking good stuff with downloadable comprehensive study guides. You can take that and listen to it in the shower, Leo, which is really, according to my audience, the best time to do it. Scenario-based labs put you with hands-on experience in an environment just like the real world. So that way you walk away with real-world experience. And that would really help inform your commentary on the subject. Instructor mentoring is available, which if you think about it from some of the competitors out there, 
not even really a serious offering. And they have instructor mentoring. Live streams, too. We can do Q&A. A community that is stacked full of Jupiter Broadcasting members. Graded server exercises give you grades in real time. The entire Red Hat course, well, most of the Red Hat, and they're working on more all the time. Yes, they are. It is really cool. And uh, I just recently heard uh, from them that the uh, the OpenStack stuff is blowing up right now for them. The courseware is on OpenStack. Blowing up. Uh, really, some of the best Amazon Web Service courseware, too. Now, that is legit. You should yep. check that out. They are they are blowing the doors off of that. And if you want to go investigate that dark, murky world of DevOps, well, guess what? Linux Academy has courseware <laughs> on that as well. They have a really cool system as well if you're busy. Say you're like Leo and you're recording like a dozen podcasts a week. And you're on the air all the time. You don't have a lot of time to do all these courses. I understand that. Shoot, I'm busy too, son. You know how many kids I got, Wes? Three. Three. Yeah. That's a lot of kids. That's a lot of kids. Not enough time for Linux. No. So you know what I do? I use their availability planner to customize my coursework. Nice. I know. It is real nice. And plus with their practice exams, I can feel like I can go in there and try something and make sure I got it right, which is good for me because I got that test anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, except for uh, except for an, STD t- an STD test because I don't feel like – Then you like, need to know. Yeah. I don't feel like that's like a – that's not like when I got to get the question right or wrong. I they should be pretty solid. But I just, you know, they just prick me and it's done. But with this where I got to answer questions, I need a practice exam. Maybe I need – anyways. Enhanced learning plans are also available, which are really great because you can get a detailed learning plan with reminders and daily assignments, labs, quizzes that are doing things like that. It's a really awesome place built by people who are crazy passionate about Linux. Linuxacademy.com. Go check them out, linuxacademy.com slash unplugged to save some money and support this here show. Okay. Um, Odyssey Wester is going to be at Linux Fest Northwest. Yeah, Let's see yeah. who else. Uh, Blaster, are you still in there? Blaster is going to be at Linux Fest Northwest. Blaster gets here on uh, Tuesday evening, actually. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so you're going to just have missed him because, he, yeah, he'll be in here after the show. Uh, anybody else that I've missed uh, that's going to be at Linux Fest Northwest in the Mumbo Hammer? You're in there. I'm going to be there. Who's that? Who's this? Richard. Oh, Richard, you're going to oh, be great. there. Cool. Well, you should stop by the booth and say hi. That'd be really cool. Oh, I plan to. Oh, good. <laughs> <clears throat> good. And uh, if you guys have uh, Sousa beer koozies, you should bring one of those with you. Or bring oh. one for Wes because he doesn't have one. No, I have not. one. But if you have them this year. Anybody else in the mom room going to make it to Linux Fest? That's sad. If the uh, network was crazy rich, I'd just like, you're all coming. Right. <clears throat> that'd, be so, that'd be so fun. Well, if you're going to make North Ranger it, wins the lotto. Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe. If you're going to make it, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting, and uh, you'll find the event there. I have it linked directly in oh, the show I notes. I sign up right now. That'd be cool. That'd I'm be going. Cool. We're, this is where I think we'll eventually coordinate uh, some of our game plan, which I'm a little hesitant because Emma could technically just sign up herself and then uh, get access to everything. tell her. Well, I'm sure she's thought of that. Uh, she's smart, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know exactly, but I feel like at the same time, we have to do it in a way that is approachable to the audience. You know, this is a real conundrum yes. for me. My need for absolutely dominating this contest is interfering with my need to share with the audience of where to be at. <laughs> you see what I'm like? I do. Yeah, mm. yeah. But anyways, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. At least this is the starting point. And then oh, maybe once we'll... I got it. We use this to coordinate the in-person meetup place, and then from then on, everything's in person. Right. Off then you the can record. tell if she's there or not. Yeah. Know? Right. That's how just we're going to do it. don't tell her the secrets. So there you go. And plus, we're, you know, you could also, if you're just going to make it to Linux Fest, even if you're not going to make it for anything else, if you're just going to go there, let us know. Uh, I know more than 22 of you are going because here's, here's a funny thing that always, the audience always does to me. It's a, it's a nice joke they play on Chris, and it's super funny because it happens every year. <clears throat> 30, 40, 50, 60 people will sign up for the meetup page. 
500 people will come and shake my hand. So what, 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 where were the rest of you? Why didn't the rest of you? Now, I know you're busy. I understand. But seriously, like, He's like, very I, friendly. I do this every year and like 60, 70 people sign up on the meetup page and we're like, oh, we're going to have 60 or 70 people. So we get like, you know, a hundred things of a swag item just in case. Right. And then 500 people show up and it's like, okay, <laughs> all right, nice. I, and, 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 and literally last year, it might've literally been a thousand people. And we, I don't know how many people we, it was. Anyways, my point is, if you could take a moment out of your busy day and go over to meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Let us know that we're going to see your Yeah, I'd like to know. Face. It'd be nice. I'm not trying to give you a hard time here, but I'm just saying it'd be nice. Uh, so in preparation for Linux Fest Northwest, we're going to go pick up uh, Mr. Ham Radio. Uh, and I'm kind of – I'm looking forward to this because uh, I, it's been a little while uh, since I got to spend any time at all uh, in Idaho. And so, uh, oh, nice. Ham Radio here, uh, who is often in the mumble room with us. He's often in the chat room as well. He uh, he is one of our uh, newer editors. <clears throat> and uh, uh, he kind of does some of the extra stuff you guys will be seeing in the future, some stuff you've seen in the past. And he's going to help us uh, and Rikai go through uh, a lot of our footage from Linux Fest. And so <laughs> I'm reading the chat room right now. And so, yeah, like Blaster just said, Operation Ham Holland will take place uh, very soon. We're going to – Noah and I – and my lady. Pick up a ham. Oh, that's a really great idea, actually, and bring it with us. Yep. Uh, so Noah is going to arrive uh, next Saturday, yeah, probably late in the night. He's going to stay up, probably do that thing he always does where he travels, where he stays up for 24 hours like a jerk. Ooh, fun. Yeah, he likes to do that. But then, you know, the nice thing is then he gets to go, here's his logic, is then he gets to sleep in a hotel room where he has, where there's no kids. It's just him. Yep, and he just yep. sleeps like he's never slept in like Close months. Close the blinds. Yeah. Just and he's out too. No so he, he, he actually has a, he actually has a bit of a plan there, but he's going to fly in super late Saturday. Next Sunday is a big episode for the Linux Action Show. He'll be in, not only will he be in studio, uh, which means I might need uh, Rotten. I don't know if, if we need to think about frame changes for that or not. We might. Uh, he's going to be in studio. And we're going to do a very special episode of Linux Action Show. Uh, and then after that episode, jumping in Lady Jupiter, and we're driving over to Idaho to go pick up Ham. It'll be a couple-day trip. Going to get back late Monday. Hopefully be able to do Tech Talk today on Tuesday morning, and then we'll have Noah here in studio for Linux Unplugged Sweet. on next Tuesday. Um, and Ham will be around as well. So I thought, boy, wouldn't it be nice if on our on our when Noah and I head off to go pick up Ham, if people could watch our progress like last time yeah. at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash rover. <clears throat> so I have been talking about for a while setting up a track car server. And so I did just that. I went I went and I downloaded track car, T-R-A-C-Car.org, and they have downloads for Windows and Linux and even Linux ARM and the Mac. And the installation, Wes, is it's pretty interesting. It's not your typical Linux software installation. When you download it, you download their zip file, right? And hmm. you need to have uh, you need to have OpenJDK. I have for mine at least. I don't know what you need. <laughs> I don't want to tell you for what Chris what I did. To tell you what to do. It, I installed OpenJDK seven uh, JRE headless. That's the package on Ubuntu. I have it in the show notes. Uh, and then I installed unzip. I unzip the package, and then you run uh, like they just have a, a you know a little uh, dot run file, a little script. You you know so you run the track car dot run file, 
and it just goes off writing all over your file system. Ooh, not, fun. not you know. Oh, you got a package manager? Screw you! Screw you let and your package manager. Uh, let me just put uh, the. Oh, I see you have an you have an old style init system. Let me stuff these right here. I'll stuff these in your init system. Oh, good. You have an op directory. Well, I'm th- thanks for running me as root. I'll go write all my stuff to your to your op directory. Um, and then if you don't have, uh, of course, because it's not using your package manager, if you don't have the Java packages installed, there's no error. Right. Well, no. No, no error. Um, until you try to start the daemon. And, and their website instructions tell you to just reboot your machine. Like, I'm going to reboot my entire server, so that way I can start your, your daemon. <laughs> uh, which, you don't need to do that. The, there is a, their, their daemon's in just your op directory. You can just go run it yourself. Um, and then it creates it creates a website for you with really poor security that you can access from any computer Ooh, in the world. Show us, show us, Chris. I will, because uh, <laughs> why not, Wes? Because uh, who cares about security? Uh, so right now, uh, I have it running on my uh, my DigitalOcean droplet, and I have uh, a, a tracker called LJ Tracker for Lady Jupes, and uh, it's running on my uh, Internet Phone Six. And you can see I can zoom in right here, and you, it's right here in the studio. Hey, and that's where, us. here's the so here's the internet phone, Wes. I'll just show you the UI so you can see it. Um, and it, it's kind of neat because it keeps a log of when it's pinged. See on the phone here, it keeps a log of when it's pinged the server. Oh, neat! And uh, the settings to set it up are ex- that's all you have to do. It's like five lines you fill in. That's a beautiful. And, that's a beautiful you like address. That? Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so that just runs now in the background on the internet phone. And it updates the uh, TrackCar server, which is really a Java app. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can add as many devices as you want, and you can have as many users as you want with their own device list. Oh, wow. Um, and you can set some server defaults. A couple of things I really like about it right off the bat is uh, by default— so you can keep track of everyone at Linux Fest. <laughs> Your crew, make sure you know right where they we are. We could, yeah. If we w- Actually, we could if we wanted to do that, which may be helpful for people to get lost. Um, but one of the things I like right off the bat is it's using OpenStreetMaps for the, for the map. And at least in my area— the OpenStreetMap stuff is just real beautiful, well-labeled. It looks nice. Yeah, it, re- it really does, Wes. Uh, uh, and the other thing is you, you can this – this, this has a server API. So you could also overlay it with Bing Maps or Google mm-hmm. Maps or whatever you want if you prefer those right. uh, and their satellite data or something like that. It gives me extremely accurate uh, longitude and latitude positioning. So, yes, that is the longitude and latitude of the studio. Yes, that is public information. <laughs> I know it's on the stream right now. Uh, and it tells you uh, how fast uh, the tracking device is moving, which right now is zero miles per hour um, and uh, it gives you the address there but that's actually that's funny that's actually not the address of the studio the I would imagine the longitude and latitude coordinates are correct but that is that is not actually the address of the studio um, but that would just be open that's just its guess based on the open street map data sure. now here's something that I'm majorly bummed about because all of that's really cool and it took me about you know 30 minutes to get it all set up yep. and it works for Android too you don't have to have an internet phone from Apple nice. uh, yeah uh, here's the major bummer and I, I, I just did not expect this. They don't have any facility for embedding the map in your own web page. No easy link. No. Which, as Popey knows, is like the entire intention of, of why I'm doing this. And he had he wrote. See, he did it correctly. He wrote his own because he's so fancy with the, with the Ubuntu Touch over there. Right. And, and I just wanted I wanted to use TrackCar because it just seemed like a nice, easy, straightforward yeah. solution. Someone's already done the hard work for you. Yeah. And so doing a little research, uh, I've discovered there is a way to, I guess, and I don't really understand how this works, but you can embed a Google map on your own website and then you can overlay data on top of it. Okay. And the track car server can act as that API source for the data. My track car server has an API now 
And if I knew how to embed a Google map and overlay data from an external API, I could embed that on the jupiterbroadcasting.com slash rover page. Okay. So Let's do it. So basically, I'm going to punt that to the audience and know if anybody knows what the hell I'm talking about and you know how to do that, I would uh, please let me know. Telegram me um, uh, at Chris LAS on Telegram. Uh, I can't telegram you because one of you bastards trolled my account, but uh, you can telegram me. And then if you, I think if you telegram me, like, like I, I, knew, I wanted to say something to Wimpy like a couple of weeks ago, like super bad. I wanted to relay something to Wimpy, yep. and I can't, I can't message him. I can only, I can only message Wimpy when he messages me first, and then I can reply to Wimpy. But I can't, me- I can't initiate the conversation. Wow, <laughs> I totally, man. yeah, yeah, it does suck. It does really suck because I had something I really wanted to tell you, but now, and I've completely forgotten what it was now. <laughs> But my point is, if you know, let me let me know. Either hit me up in the chat room or actually uh, ping Rika in the chat room if you're going to do it via the IRC or hit me up on Telegram. Uh, because I'm – just because of everything that's going on, uh, Twitter would actually be fine too. But I'm not checking email very much for the next few days because I'm running around like crazy. Um, I would love to get that set up though so people could watch. Right. And then because I've wanted – what I've been using in, in the meantime is a proprietary solution that uses a dedicated piece of hardware and a monthly service fee that's a couple uh, of hundred dollars for like three months or something like that. There's no open source anywhere. No. And I, I want every component of Lady Jupiter to be as open source as possible. And I've even to some extent had to put things in and roll them back to try to accomplish that. Um, and then eventually – I mean this is like a probably a 2017 thing. But eventually I'd love to do an episode on a – fully you know open source setup that i've set up yeah. and i feel like this I, I shouldn't open rover i should right and i shouldn't implement anything that isn't open source if today Don't, if i'm trying to get to that goal yeah. right so i bought this thing this tracker for the first road trip and then it because i had prepaid for the service it all and i knew this at the time it also covered the scale road trip so that worked out perfectly so mm-hmm. i just used the same proprietary thingy because i had paid for the service but now my service, service is done. done and it's like it's like several hundred dollars. Uh, if you guys want, it's Silver Cloud Tracker if you're interested. If you want, the thing that was appealing to me is it's a dedicated hardware device. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then you can embed their web app. Uh, and they had, def- they had really pretty decent support too. Um, anyways, but now I'm done with that. And I'd rather just have an app that runs on the background on my phone and, uh, and then just have something I could embed on the website. So if you have any, uh, any idea on how the hell I could actually accomplish that, just, uh, just let me know. And, and Blaster and Ham Radio, I got good news for you guys. While you guys are out here, we're going to have a big turkey feed. What? Yeah, we did Thanksgiving for uh, Dylan's birthday last week because that's his favorite meal. Ah. And so we – and I just got this huge turkey because we had a whole bunch of people over. Mm-hmm. But people snacked and stuff. So there's a whole bunch of turkey left over. And uh, we're going to have, like, turkey enchiladas. We're going to have all kinds of crazy stuff while the crew's out here. So, yeah, we're going to have a good time when everybody's out here. And uh, I'll be on the road. And hopefully you guys will be able to track that. So if you tune in for next week's Unplugged, it should be quite the show. I would would try to catch that one live. There's probably going to be a lot of shenanigans going on in the studio that day. It'll probably simmer down by the time the show's on the air. But if you can make it live, next week would be a good one. You can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for your lifetime. But I I got a feeling, like, what I'll probably do is I'll probably jump out for a little bit for like a segment or two and let Noah sit in or something. You know, or we can rotate out or something. I don't know. We'll oh, yeah. figure it out. No, you know? totally. We can definitely we do can that. We can tag team. We'll tag team the hosting or, or something like that. But yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Is there any mumble room? Is there anything else from the virtual lug we want to cover before we wrap up on this week's episode of the Unplugged program? I'll turn it over to you guys for one, a two, a three. Nope. That's how many licks it takes to get to the center of the Unplugged lollipop. You ever seen that commercial? Oh, yeah. That's all right. my favorite lollipop. <laughs> 
All right, so I'm really, I, I, I'm really looking forward to next week. I think it's gonna be I'm fun. super excited. Sunday's a big show. I hope you guys can catch Sunday's episode of the Linux Action Show. If you're tuning in live on Thursday, we got the double tech snaps coming up. Lots going on. Yes. It's crazy, and it's a lot, lot of good content. Even if you can't make it to any of these events, it's, we're gonna make the, we're gonna put the very best stuff. Why watch in the anything shows. but JB? That's crazy, Wes. There's not time. Nope. No time. Nope. No, no, no. All right, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar for our live times, linuxactionshow.reddit.com for feedback, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact for email, and we'll see you right back here next Tuesday. With that, I say get it out of here because that is the end of the show. All right. Thank you, Mumble Room. Yeah, guys. You're Jerry. welcome. Oh, thank you. JerryTitles.com. Wimpy, uh, you're, uh, you're a Mate edition of the Ubuntu distribution. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but uh, this is something this, you've been doing yeah. for a while now. Uh the hype is strong with the 1604 release. I, I can't believe how many websites I'm seeing right about, uh, about it. Everybody from, from uh, basically Network World, uh, Matt, you got uh, Softpedia, you got uh, – Network World? Yeah, or not was – I think – or maybe it was PC World maybe. One of them. Somebody wrote some from oh, – okay. I missed that one. I know. I, I blur all the world ones together, but I just I, – I tell you what. The, the, uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Like uh, it's like I, I mean – I almost wonder if it's overshadowing the other main release. <laughs> I think the reason it gets uh, so much hype is because really, in my experience of actually using uh, Ubuntu Mate, it really feels like what Ubuntu should have been had it stuck with its original path. All right. All right. But what about what about handy Linux? Right. The get distro that gives handy you. Linux. Yeah. Get a handy. with. OK. So it's a Debian. It's Debian without the headaches. Right? Based on Debian, GNU slash Linux, you heard of that. Uh, lightweight and stable XFC desktop environment. Handy Linux is safe, convenient, and free of charge. Now, that's a distro with a name. That's a brand right there. Yes, it is. And look, it even has, it even has a hand as its logo. Yeah, I was reading today on Google Plus that the Fedora project is working on it. And I guess there's just certain syscalls that maybe aren't even implemented yet. Um, so it might be a more narrow range that the Ubuntu user land is using than we suspect, suspected. So it sounds like OpenSUSE guys are thinking about it, but it's like a trial and error stage right now. So no art uh, on there yet? <laughs> yeah, because I'm wondering, like, who's the next distro? Because right? you, know, yeah. you know it's going to be some distro is going to be the one that announces, we got it running on the Windows uh, Linux well, subsystem. Once there's some choice, I'll be more excited to try it. Yeah. We've been able to retask the build service to, to basically pump out what should be viable images because we, we have similar use cases we've already been playing with for that. So, like, you just dump out an open user space, we build our Docker images that way, all that kind of right. stuff. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, so that 
that's been the final easy part. So yeah, it's just yeah, figuring out those syscalls and and you know poking around those <laughs> those parts. So pretty much I would like to see it. The same the same stages for Dora, but the, uh, we've managed to get bits and pieces of tumbleweed and bits and pieces of leap on there. Huh. Well, that's a start. That's exciting. That's great. Yeah, that'll be fun. That could be like I don't know like. The next time I ever have to install Windows 10, that might be something I'd like to play with it. Right. So you got you got a while. <laughs> Win Arch 10. I kind of wonder if it'll be Arch, but see, I don't think so. I think this is probably not going to be Arch's strong suit unless a really savvy developer out there does it for the distro, right? But see, some of the more uh, structured distros sort of have an advantage here, I should think. Yeah, you, you need a you need a way of getting your your root file system. Deployed on the yeah so, yeah well you know you, know, you what see is an arch root file system you see uh, you know you see examples of uh, people reloading DigitalOcean droplets to different distributions while it's loaded in, right uh, the BSD guys uh, on BSD now have talked about doing that too swapping it's a good way to BSDs. Learn about Linux too um, and so you wonder if it could be done from within in fact you almost would have to do it from within the Ubuntu environment. Is sort of replace it from like within. Package your own Windows app. Well, because you can't get into the App Store, and when you install the subsystem, I, I believe it pulls it pulls it down as soon as you try to run it or something. It's mm. not really coming from an App Store. It's right. actually just it says it is, right. and then it's lying and coming from a, a plain old website. So yeah, it's just on an Azure server. <laughs> yeah, you can man yeah. in the middle of that, no problem. <laughs> that's true. Oh, that's a good point. You could just do a little DNS trick yeah. or something. Add this line to your host file. That's what our guys did. Yeah. <laughs> Blaster. If I could just inject for a moment, what you've been referring to as Windows NT is actually GNU slash Windows NT. <laughs> Very good, sir. Very good. I've been corrected. <sighs> Windows NT. Yeah, that's, an, that's an interesting point. You can fire up YAS from some pretty peculiar angles. Hmm. I've done that before. I did that before with uh, uh, some host. It wasn't DigitalOcean, but yeah, they they didn't provide a OpenSUSE image. So I took their Debian image, hacked around with a grub, and had it boot into YAS right. and nothing else. Yeah, that's good. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I like I'm sure it. It's been said a number of times, but uh, isn't it amazing how much of a proof this is that Linux has won when um, the Linux API system is used in Linux, it's used in BSD, and now it's used in Windows. It's kind of like the universal uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. That or it makes it extremely easy for its competitors to integrate, embrace, and extend. I don't know. Come on, glass half full, Chris. You're right, you're right. I don't think I know anyone who's tried it yet. Actually, I've installed the or Ubuntu Bash on Windows oh, nice. 10 to try it out. How'd that go? Well, I installed Clang and built a, you know... C binary just to try it out. Sure. It actually worked. <laughs> Pretty sweet. And an update, you know, I can update, update, and upgrade. Right. Not just upgrade, but just upgrade. Hmm. And it's a, it's a, is it a fifteen ten environment? New fourteen oh four at the moment. Oh just right, trusting. right, right, right. And so yeah, will you trusting. be so will you be doing a dist upgrade to go to sixteen oh four? Like how does that work? I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'm not messing around with it too much because you know. Well, okay, I had to kind of use the latest snapshot image in order to actually update the Windows 10 laptop that I've got because it just didn't want to do the, like, upgrade to the actual build. So I just kind of overwrote it to get the bash on Windows thing. (laughs) (laughs) So it actually does work. I've upgraded 
just tried a few binaries or at least compiling a few things. I haven't done too much beyond that, but it works. Here's and apparently. I'm getting really, you know, for me personally, I just, I, I couldn't care less about Windows 10 in so many ways. It's still, it's so Windows still, it doesn't matter. You know, I was thinking about this recently. <clears throat> Microsoft will have truly changed when they have one version of Windows for all systems. If you want to run it on a server, you want to run it on a desktop, they don't have enterprise and data center. Because look at look at the way the market's going. Microsoft, when they started as a company, they were one of the first companies to figure out you could take the same exact code, and if you're just a smart enough business major, you could sell that same code to people who will pay $3,000 for it because they're in a business and they depend on it, and you can sell it to people who will pay $100 for it because they're a consumer and they don't require it as much. And it's the, it's the same damn stuff with artificial limitations. And they were some of the people that just brilliantly made, obviously, a lot of money off that. And now they are in an era where... Things are in the cloud, and those kinds of little divisions, and things are on mobile, and that little artificial limitation seems trivial and obvious now. And the rest of the world has realized it. Apple realized it, for God's sakes, before Microsoft did. And Apple is the company that, that, that charged their beta users to do upgrades originally, and then Steve Jobs came out and claimed, well, we have to do it. It's an accounting rule. We have to charge you. And then two years later, they dropped the charging. So Apple figures it out before Microsoft does, and so Microsoft is still trying to sell this differentiator product. But you know, at the end of the day, it's still the same crap product. I have a, I have a close family member. I didn't even know this. I'm, it's a, I'm actually very sort of upset about it. They, the, the, their parent went out and bought them a Windows 10 laptop at Best Buy. And they're all excited. They came over uh, for Dylan's birthday party, and they're like, hey, Chris, look, it's my laptop. It's got the new Windows 10 on it. Isn't that great? It's got the new Windows 10. I'm like, wow, they really got sold. So how's it been going? And so yeah. Dylan, you know, he brings down his elementary OS, uh, Spugnik, uh, and he fires it up. And, you know, this is the same exact install that Dylan's had since I gave it to him for his last birthday. So it's now over a year old. Yeah. And uh, he fires up Minecraft, and he's got all his mods installed. He's like, come on, let's play. And he's like, oh, oh, I can't. And Dylan's like, why not? Well, I got a virus a few days ago, and we took it into Geek Squad to replace it, and they had to format my computer, and they lost all my worlds, and we haven't been able to get Minecraft reinstalled since then. But I got a Geek Squad shirt. It's the same. Yeah. Wow. It's the same crappy OS.